0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off.
1: LinkedIn News. Has it let you down at all? Has it been wrong In its search for words?
2: Well, yeah, it makes up words. (laughs) Which is (laughs) kind of like, okay. Um, (laughs) So that's kind of funny.
1: From the news team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel, and this is Hello Monday. It's our show about the changing nature of work and how that work is changing us. And I'm just going to say it here, that given all the change we talk about, we are not discussing generative AI enough. So this week, we're dedicating this entire episode to ChatGPT. It's been nine months since the software became available to everyone. And in that time, ChatGPT and its competitors have already changed so much about our jobs. And really, we're at the very beginning of things here. Now maybe you're a person who signed up immediately because you love new tech. Maybe you're a person who feels overwhelmed by the prospect of the whole thing and would rather stick your head in the sand. I'm here to tell you that this technology is going to be significant. You have to pay attention, even if we don't really know what it means immediately. I really, truly believe this. I believe that the best way to stay ahead of it is to play with it. You've just heard from my friend Ben Schertz. He's a literacy consultant. We've known each other for more than 20 years. Also, he listens to the show almost every week. Hey, Ben. A couple of months ago, I asked listeners to share the ways they were using ChatGPT. Ben was one of dozens of you who wrote in to tell me what you were trying. We'll hear four of those stories today. But since I'm no expert in this field, I've invited someone to listen along with me and to help us tease out the lessons each story has for us. Hey, Tanya, are you there? Hi, Jesse. I knew you were there. You're in the studio with me. It's so great to have you here, Tanya. Thank you. Glad to be here. Listen, Tanya Dua is the technology editor here at LinkedIn. She writes a weekly newsletter that explains tech news, and she also features interviews with a lot of the people behind the companies we read about. Like, if you haven't seen her chat with the CEO of Airbnb from last year, you should totally look it up. Anyhow, Tanya, how would you explain what ChatGPT is and why it matters? I would say it's kind of like
3: your personal virtual assistant that you can tap into for um, a second reading on things. So it's not an expert.
1: It's not an encyclopedia. It's just a gut check. So how's it different than Google, right? Like with Google or with any search, be it Microsoft Bing, you have the box, you plug in a question, you get some results. That's not how ChatGPT works, right?
3: It almost feels like you are talking to someone else on the other line. So there's I wouldn't go as far to say that it's anthropomorphic, but it is a little bit close. So it's like how you have those um, sort of two things on your shoulder, like the evil person and the good person. It's like a combination of both. But there's just one on your head. (laughs)
1: And they're talking to you in full paragraphs. Like if I were to ask Google, where should I go on vacation in February, I would get a list of links. But if I asked ChatGPT, what's kind of answer ChatGPT might give me? You would say something
3: like, hey, ChatGPT, I am Jesse. I live in Brooklyn, I'm really sick of the cold, I like beaches, Um, I can't go too far because I have two kids, so please tell me awesome beach spots I can go to that are maybe three or four hours away. And it would tell you, you can go to Aruba, you can go to the Bahamas, and depending on the kind of experience you're looking at, and break it down for you. So it might say something like, oh, you're into casinos, you might prefer the Bahamas, or you just want quiet time you might prefer Aruba. So it just it just makes it personalized to you in a way.
1: And that is why we were having this episode because what you just described sounds like a whole category of job to me. It sounds like what a travel agent does for me. ChatGPT is really significant, right? Yes. And you mentioned
3: it sounds like whole categories of jobs. And obviously there's a lot of talk about how some jobs may be disrupted, but definitely all jobs will change as a result of this.
1: Okay, one more question before we get started here, because it's one I think about a lot. It's kind of the wild, wild west. There are no rules here. What's happening so far, be it government regulation or rules within the industry, to set some rails down?
3: So there's a lot of conversation going on. The Biden administration is taking this very seriously. However, uh, we are moons behind regulation in China and the EU and the U.K., uh looking more closely at the EU and the UK, the EU just came out with um, a pretty substantive act not too long ago. And the UK, on the other hand, is taking a little bit of a, you know, we don't want to have these rules approach. Uh, we want to understand it better. The US is sort of somewhere in the middle. I think we're at a stage where they're all trying to understand the technology and we'll see where where it leads to. But it's still very, very in the early stages. In this, the U.S. is similar to the U.K., where, you know, nobody's like, we're going to put this, you know, thing down on paper. Um, They're making a very concerted effort to
1: understand it first. And likewise, I think that the best thing that any anybody listening to this episode, regardless of what your profession is, regardless of whether you like technology, can be doing right now, is actually playing around with it so that they can understand how to use it. And Tanya, we have a whole host of stories that have come in. We're only going to review four together that feature how our listeners are playing with this stuff. Now, the first comes to us from Sarah Padlewski, who lives in Chicago and works for an insurance company.
4: Earlier this year, unfortunately, I had a family member pass away uh, fairly suddenly, and uh, he was a caterer. He had an active business at the time, and so uh, I was suddenly involved in a situation that I was not prepared for at all. I've never been in the catering business. I don't have a lot of experience there. My family member was uh, in Indianapolis at the time, so... Geographically, we were a little bit separated. Uh, And so I had gone down to Indianapolis to kind of help his family uh, and and figure out what we were going to do with this catering business and all the other things that happen when somebody passes away. I was at you know at a loss for what to do. And so I said, well, we need to put something up on the website just so that we can stem the tide of inquiries that are coming in uh, because got it. we've got so many other things going on right now. There's no way that we're going to be able to, to handle any new calls. Uh, I was managing a lot of emotional changes and turmoil in life, uh, as well as inheriting all of this administrative work that you pick up the pieces the best you can, but you don't know email passwords yeah. you don't know what the web domain is right all these little details that in most small businesses don't get written down or put in a password manager or anything like that it was a very overwhelming experience for sure um and i think i was fortunate in that i knew chat gpt was out there we'd been having conversations about it my husband and i have talked about it we talked about it at work you know it's just in the the cultural conversation so i said well I don't know where to begin in putting a statement out from the family. It's going to take me 3 days of the limited brain power that I have to write it. So, how about I let ChatGPT do its thing and get a draft together and then we can personalize it from there. So, uh yeah, it, it worked out fairly well all things considered. My 81-year-old grandmother was just amazed that this software could spit <laughs> out something that seemed actually pretty relevant and covered most of the things we wanted to say with just a little tweaking. It was uh, a very bizarre time, but very helpful. Do you remember
1: what you might have asked ChatGPT initially?
4: Yeah, I think the the specific prompt I put in was something like, can I uh, get a draft of closing a catering company after the the owner and chef has passed away, uh, like a statement from the family. It returned something that covered a lot of the things that I thought would be in there, but probably better worded than my first draft would have been. And then it also covered some things that I hadn't even thought about, right, in terms of like, if you have an outstanding contract, you should contact this email address. Some of it didn't necessarily apply to us, but was really kind of insightful of, well, in in a weird way, it's comforting to know that I'm not the only person who has had to write a statement like that. And obviously grief is a challenging thing and I would never wish the situation on anybody, but there is a sense of comfort that this has happened before. We're going to get through it. It's going to be okay eventually. So uh, yeah, it's just been a very interesting way to see ChatGPT kind of touch my own personal life.
1: Basically, what this is an example of is like the cold start problem, which is, I think, the most immediately useful way that people use ChatGPT.
3: Right. I'm struggling with something to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Tanya, this is one of the most frequent ways that listeners told me they use this. Have you seen it before?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I still have an Indian passport, which means I need a visa to go to a lot of places. I just came back from Croatia and I wanted to apply for a longer term visa. So when you get a Schengen, it's typically six months. I wanted a year long visa. So I wrote a cover letter using ChatGPT for the same reason, because I was like, I've never done this before. I don't know what to say to a consular officer. And so I just put in a prompt and it spat out something. I edited it and sent it.
1: Did not work, but <laughs> I'm helped sorry me get that the it job didn't done. Work. But listen, that this idea that actually so much of the writing that we need to be doing is formulaic. A letter for a lawyer, a letter for a counselor, a letter to describe a problem in your business. Like other people have also confronted this challenge and rather than spend three hours trying to research it, you can pull it up. That seems really significant. But there's one important piece here, which is that, well, you said it best. Then you edit it, right?
3: Yes. Um, you cannot take its word as gospel right. at all. It makes a lot of mistakes sometimes. You have to double check it, um, as
1: you would Google as well. It's great that ChatGPT was so helpful to Sarah. However, as my buddy Ben pointed out right at the top of the show, and as Tanya just told us, ChatGPT and generative AI tools like it, they, they don't always work so well. In fact, they can be totally inaccurate. So we're gonna take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll bring you a story that shows you exactly what I mean.
0: Learn more at TIAA.org backslash Promises Pay Off. Have you been feeling the effects of stress, burnout, or
1: anxiety at work? Workplace culture is changing, but we're not done yet. Listen to the Anxious Achiever podcast to rethink the relationship between your career and your mental health. Hear stories from psychologists, entrepreneurs, even athletes and celebrities. Learn how they balance success and ambition with staying mentally healthy and walk away with practical advice you can implement today. Get the Anxious Achiever wherever you find your podcasts. And we're back with a story about a task that most middle school geography students could nail, but ChatGPT completely mangled. Amber Ratcliffe is a global sales leader and she works out of Reno, Nevada.
5: I'm in a phase right now where I'm growing my team very rapidly but with very little resources, as I think that probably a lot of us are in those type of situations these days. And so I look for any method or opportunity that I can use not to reinvent the wheel. And so I found that ChatGPT may be able to help me with, with some of these longer items that could take a lot of time, but really require less brain power, less effort. I, n- I needed to create a very simple list of states that were west of the Mississippi, which to me sounds like an, a very boring task, something that I could easily do. I could probably even Google it, but I was having fun with ChatGPT at the time. So I thought, hey, let me ask ChatGPT. I put in something to the tune of, um, please list out all of the states west of the Mississippi." So it did. It lines out line by line, very nicely gave me all of the states or what I thought were all of the states west of the Mississippi in nice bullet, bulleted list. But then I got to looking at the list. And at some point I noticed that there was one major state missing, California. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I got to looking closer at the list and noticed that Oregon was missing. Washington was missing. I think even Arizona was missing. So it had essentially missed all of the most western states um, in this list that I got was complete. And had it been a longer list or something, maybe that I didn't have time to edit, I would have thought that that data was there, and it wasn't. So I went back and asked it, "Are you sure you got all of the states in the list?" And it thought for a second and said, "It literally apologized. I'm sorry." I did not get all of the states. Here are three more states that I missed it was California, Oregon, Washington. And I had already known, I think, that Arizona was missing. So I went back and said, Are you sure you got all of them? And then it thought for a second and again came back and said, No, I missed two more. This list is now complete. I apologize for my errors or, or something <laughs> like that. So. <laughs> I didn't hold it to the fact that also Hawaii and Alaska were missing, which are technically west of the Mississippi, um, but are not in the continental U.S.
1: Right. When you tell that story, I think so much, Amber, about design interface and how technology is technology, but of course humans influence the design. And when you tell that story, it sounds a lot to me like you're talking to my grandfather, honestly. He was a teacher and... And that's sort of how he might respond. And that's a little bit misleading, actually, Amber, because the software is just piecing together code, letters and numbers, to try to put something together that matches, that pattern type matches something that has come before. This is a totally different process. Does this software hold the potential of anthropomorphizing for you? Do you? Do you ever feel like you're actually talking to you? Not a person. You're obviously
5: too smart for that, but something personable personable definitely i don't know if i would go so far as to say anthropomorphized but i guess that's a spectrum as well so yeah. so who knows so tanya
1: why does it do that why does it get really simple things just dead wrong sometimes
3: So this is a little bit of speculation, but it obviously has something to do with the millions and millions of units of data that it's it's jumping off of. It is designed in a way as to get you the next best answer. And that may not be the right answer. It's just based on data that it's trained on and it may just go to the easiest one it can pick out, um, which is why you always have to sort of double check
1: right? Because this is not a person thinking on the back end, right? This is pattern recognition working on the back end. And yes, it is terribly fast. But ultimately, it's also not building off of universally held facts. It's building off of human knowledge that has existed before people's thoughts, opinions, things they got right and things they got wrong. And we humans are pretty imperfect, right, Tanya?
3: that and also the internet. And are you going to take everything you get on every corner of the internet as, as the truth? No. So, Bad idea. Bad exactly. Idea. Bad idea. It's, it's, you know, there's no, like, we are getting this from the right source. There's no, like, journalistic rigor being applied here.
1: But one more thing, Tanya, which is that um, the software, when our listeners said, hey, you got it wrong, the software's response was, I'm sorry. Which is really problematic to me. In fact, it gives me the shivers because it is just one way in which the software mimics human conversation patterns to the point where it might become too easy to forget that you're not actually conversing with a human. What do you think about that? Is it a problem, though? I feel like it's good to accept your mistakes, right? There
3: have been a lot of iterations of this in the past where they just get like like mean, And if we're teaching it to be a little bit more human-like, I don't think that's a bad thing.
1: I think that this comes down to a question of user design, right? And I look at the software as it's emerging and the design choices that we humans make about how to present it. And we are presenting it in such a way that it is easy to forget over time that you are actually talking to a computer instead of a person. And Tanya, I just wonder... What would happen if we designed it differently in a way that reminded people in a deliberate way consistently that what they're dealing with is a machine? It's just a question. I don't know. I think – It's easy to get
3: lost and think that you're talking to a person in the way that it's designed. But I think it's just important to sort of bring yourself back to the fact that when you're typing in something in a search bar, you're getting an output, but it's just one thing. And that doesn't mean you shut your brain off and you don't think critically and think for yourself. Um, Again, going back to what we started talking about initially, which is that this is just like a a second you know opinion
1: right well put well you know ChatGPT is good at some things and not great at some things our next guest liberty white runs a video marketing agency out of atlanta now liberty is very tech savvy we had a good time comparing various software tools we had tried she's always trying new things and this summer she tried a social media experiment that did not pan out
0: So I'm doing this challenge uh, for almost now 30 days of having ChatGPT, like it's an experiment. Mm -hmm. Can ChatGPT help me to grow my Instagram account to 100,000 followers? And so with the challenge or the experiment, I went back about three months and pulled all the data, all the analytics that I could from Instagram and put it into ChatGPT. So that way it sees like this kind of content resonates really well with my audience or my community and so now based on you having that information now you're going to guide me and you come up with the ideas or we collaborate on the ideas and i'll actually execute i am on day 29 now
1: okay so we are now at a place where you can perhaps credibly look back and say well parts of this worked or parts of it didn't correct are are you on track to hit a hundred thousand
0: I am not on track to hit 100,000, but a hundred, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a hundred. And the point too is also organically. So in a perfect world, it would have been great that those videos or those posts that weren't really well to like put some ads behind it or to boost it so that you could reach more people. But no, this was like all organic.
1: Wow. So clearly, Tanya, ChatGPT isn't up for every challenge. It Actually, though, it seems like a very good idea to me for someone to make the software into a social media manager, no?
3: Sure. Well, ChatGPT may not be very good at being a social media manager, but it belongs to um, these building blocks of AI, which are called large language models. And large language models can be trained on reams and reams of data, but they can also be trained on very specific data that pertains to an industry. So someone may probably have already thought of doing it for the social media industry, like people already doing it for medicine. For example, there are LLMs, large language models, that focus on studying protein structures, which can be very useful in coming up with new treatments for diseases, for example.
1: And in fact, I have been pitched personally on a startup that has developed a large language model that will be my social media manager for me. So I know they exist. I do not know if they're very good yet, but they do exist. Look, all of this, Tanya, brings us back to my buddy, Ben. We heard from him right at the top of the episode. Ben lives in Salt Lake City.
2: I am a literacy consultant, the founder of Dreamland Reading, and I work with schools supporting teachers and leaders at the school level and district level to improve reading instruction and make sure all students learn to read. I am building an early primary curriculum for children who are learning to read. And so there's letter sounds, and there's letter names, and then you build words off the letters that students will be introduced to, right? And then from there, you build decodable books, which are those, you're probably reading them with Jude, right?
1: That's exactly what we're doing. I was thinking about, yeah, like last night, we did this new ABC book where... He recognizes the letters, but he's memorized the rest, and that's where we are right now.
2: Great. So he's learning to track, and he's learning that letters make sounds and that the sounds are represented by print. So, so trying to come up with a story that's with those words is like playing a game of boggle. Right. Well, after you've introduced you know, 10 or 12 letters, there's a lot of words that you can make, right? And it was taking me a long time. And I thought, what if I just go into chat GPT and put in these letters and see if if the computer can do it. And sure enough, it spit it out in like three seconds. So the thing that was taking me 15 minutes happened immediately. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. It makes the mundane go fast. And what's cool is that it iterates. Like the thing that I figured out pretty quickly is that it wasn't giving me all the words. So then I would ask it to iterate on it, and I would say, can you Can you give me the rest of the words? Uh And it would give me more. And so it's almost like there's a back and forth conversation. So I can expand on a previous question and it will hold what the response was before and expand on that response, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah. Has it let you down at all? Has it been wrong in its search for words?
2: Well, yeah, it makes up words, (laughs) which is... (laughs) Kind of like okay, um, so that's kind of funny. Either that, or it's me, ma- or it's putting out words that I don't know, which is a- another possibility. And then, of course, there's the words that I don't think of. You know, it just helps with my creativity looking at this list of words.
1: Ben, have you have you asked whether it can actually write the story for you yet?
2: I have, and. The problem was that, so with decodable books, right? You want every single word to be a word that is either been introduced and the student knows or the child knows because you taught, like you taught the Jude the word the. So now he knows the word the as a sight word and it can be part of it. And so they either need to be words that the students have been taught or they need to be words the students can decode. And chat didn't hold to that expectation or that kind of parameter. And so it created these sentences with all of these. It it built a great story, but it wasn't decodable, which is what I'm after.
1: I love this experiment because it's so um, immediately useful. And it's just one chunk of the work that you actually have to do. In fact, maybe it's just the time-consuming chunk. And so it unleashes more interesting work for you. Would you say at this point it's actually become part of your workflow or is this just an experiment that you did that was pretty fun but like still pretty easy to do that yourself?
2: I keep going back to it to see what else I can use it for. You know, I'm writing a story about Fiona the dolphin, which is this kind of story verse and this kind of world that I'm trying to create for kids. And it really helped with that. Like I just said, write a story about Fiona, a baby dolphin who loves to surf and gets separated from her pod. And it wrote like this three-page story about Fiona and some of that I can use, some I can't. And then I'm also using it now to, so in addition to writing this curriculum, what I'm trying to do is work with schools to help support their leaders and teachers to understand what's now known as the science of reading and how to build the teacher knowledge of the science of reading and then how to implement strategies and techniques which help a larger percent of students learn to read, which is really what what I'm after.
1: Okay, so Tanya, what do you think of that story?
3: I think. The opportunities are endless. And that story is an example of that, right? If you look at the people that are building technology for good, they say they want the effects of that technology to to help us, right, to help mankind, to help the world, to help whatever it is that they are trying to tackle. And I think this is just a perfect example of how when it's used for the right things, it can be used for the wrong things, too. But when used for the right things, its impact can be significant.
1: And I love the way that Ben walked us through specifically what he tried, when it worked, when it didn't work, and what he learned in just one small facet of what he's doing. But I think we can all find ways to do that in our jobs, whatever they are. So, Tanya, generative AI, it's only going to become more important. And I was just wondering, would you come back and join us sometime?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to, since I talk about this all day, every day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Look, in the meantime, I'm going to keep reading your newsletter as I try to keep up and translate all of this to our listeners. If people are looking for your newsletter, where should they go to find it?
3: Find me on LinkedIn. Search for Tanya, T-A-N-Y-A, D-U-A, like Dua Lipa, yes. And below that, there's a link to my newsletter. Or you can search for Tech Stack and hopefully she'll come up.
1: Yep. And we'll tuck it in the show notes as well. So on Office Hours this week, we're going to talk about experiments that all of you are running with ChatGPT. Come prepared to brainstorm and collect inspiration. We'll go live as we always do, right from the LinkedIn News page at 3 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays. I always have my coffee. You bring whatever you want. You can also email us at hellomonday at linkedin.com for a link. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn News. Sarah Storm produces our show with help from Lolia Briggs. It's engineered and mixed by Asaf Gadron. Our theme music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Michaela Greer is a delightful human person who helps us get better at everything we do. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Dave Pond is head of news production. Courtney Coop is head of original programming. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. I'm Jesse Hempel. I'm in today with... Tanya Dua. And I'll be back next Monday. Thanks for listening. Um, so here's, here's what I would love, um, before we get, get started, if you could just say, hi, my name is, and here's what I do for work and explain your, your job as you would explain it.
2: This is so funny. Like, (laughs) like, I just need to talk to you because like, if I think (laughs) about talking to like your audience, I'm like, ah, Um, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hi, Jesse.